Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your people with the power of your love through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. When I lived in Los Angeles, every Saturday night, KFWB Radio would feature an old radio program from the 1940s. They'd feature action dramas like The Lone Ranger, and sometimes they'd feature soap operas. You'd hear the Hammond organ, the tremolo in the background, things like Guiding Light, And occasionally they would feature comedies as well, like the always funny and the ridiculously tight-fisted cheapskate Jack Benny. If you don't know anything about Jack Benny, he was always trying to get out of paying a bill. He always wanted a discount. It pained him to spend money. He was cheap. It was part of his comic routine. So one of the funniest things that ever happened on his show was a story with him when he was, in one episode, his frugality and his miserliness, his ability to be even cheaper than cheap, gets tested to the extreme. Jack's walking down the street whistling, and a passerby asks, hey, bud, got a match? Jack is startled, huh? Yeah, yeah, I've got one right here. Don't make a move. This is a stick-up. What? You heard me. You heard me. Uh, mi- mister, put down that gun. Shut up. Now, come on. Your money or your life? Jack is silent. <laughs> totally silent. The audience is roaring with laughter. Look, bud, I said your money or your life. Silence. Bud, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. (laughs) Jack never wanted to let go of his money. In some ways to him, money and living went hand in hand, and this scenario pushed him to his limit. Something similar is happening today. Jesus is being pushed to his limit He's on the temple grounds in Jerusalem. He's in holy space, in sacred space, but the Pharisees have had enough of his proclamation of the kingdom of God where the hungry are fed and the sick healed and the lame walk and the blind see and the prisoners are set free and all that that means. So they try to trap him with a question. Good teacher, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Notice how the text even tells us that Jesus is aware of their malice. He calls them hypocrites. And he asks them for a coin that they use to pay the tax. Here's what we miss. None of the Pharisees should have had a Roman coin on their person when they were in the sacred space of the temple. It was considered ritually impure for a religious leader to be carrying Roman money while in the temple. Yet somehow it is so easily found. And he asked the question, who's on the coin? And they say, the emperor. So Jesus responds in his famous retort, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. And they, the crowd realizes that they've been had, and they go away. 
And notice what Jesus does. He takes the trap that the Pharisees are setting and he sets it back upon them. He exposes their hypocrisy and even asking him the question, knowing full well that they're carrying around prohibited currency. And he changes the issue altogether. In that response that he makes, give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, he's exposing the weakness of their hearts to both God and to society. The Pharisees aren't being serious about their religious lives because they're carrying around the money of the enemy and they're not being serious about their societal lives either as they don't really care about any of their fellow countrymen and the danger, the danger that they're putting them into if this question was ever in the earshot of a Roman soldier. They only care about themselves and their self-preservation. Their religious life doesn't ever even rely on the call of God upon their hearts. Once again, their money and their living are going hand in hand, and they are missing out big time. They're missing out on God's abundance and God's call for all of us to be responsible and to care for one another in society. Now, on the surface... Obviously, this gospel is all about Jesus getting out of a trap. But in some ways, it's such a clever way that Jesus is also holding up a reflection, is holding up a mirror to all of us to help us see how we need to trust God because God really is looking out for our greatest good. It's a way to take an inventory of how we might really want to be led into being part of the ways of God on earth but we're scared, and we might not always be fully devoting ourselves into the work we need to do to promote, to promote this beloved community that dwells in the kingdom of God. We're all called to devote ourselves in our own way into a life of worship, fellowship, and service for God and the kingdom of God. Jesus calls us time and time and time again into these horizons, to these new places where we're called to go, but do we answer the call? Okay, true story, real world example. There was a man who had everything. There was a man who had everything, literally everything. He had a wonderful career at a very prestigious university, a substantial publishing enterprise, a full calendar of keynote speeches all around the world. This person, if you have guessed it, is the priest and theologian named Henry Nowen. If you've never read any of his books, he's absolutely amazing. Find the one on the prodigal son and read it. You'll never regret it. Henry Nouwen. But his life story is even more amazing. Henry had everything. Literally anything he could have wanted out of life and a career. But he still felt a void. He still felt that he wasn't answering a call. He felt that God was calling him and that he was not paying attention. He felt a void and kept feeling drawn in some way to something else. So that in 1986, he left his full professorship at Harvard University and he moved outside of the United States to Richmond, Ontario in Canada 
to a community called L'Arche, which is a French word meaning the rainbow, the L'Arche community, to live in a community of adults who had severe developmental disabilities. Severe developmental disabilities. This man, Henry Nouwen, who literally had prestige, wealth, authority, prominence, decided to take up the last 10 years of his life in residence with people who would never be able to read anything that he had ever written. But while he was there, he was assigned to take care of a man named Adam Arnett. Arnett, Adam Arnett couldn't do anything for himself. He couldn't talk. He couldn't walk. He had extreme disabilities. But in Adam, Henry Nouwen found something. He found a new presence of Christ's love in the kingdom of God. Something very unexpected. He found, he writes about this, and he found this joy in his ministry at large working with Adam because, in his own words, it had to do with his being. Adam was and is a beloved child of God. It is this same news that Jesus came to announce, and it is the news that all those who are poor keep proclaiming in and through their very weakness. Life is a gift. Life is a gift. Nowen's work in ministry with the L'Arche community gave him a life he never dreamed he wanted, nor he expected, but it gave him a fullness of being that he had never achieved in all of his accomplishments in the academy, in the church, in his books, in his speeches, or in the world. This was something better. He learned that life is a gift. Okay, that's a pretty hefty example. But the mirror Jesus holds in front of the Pharisees, he now holds on to us, holds up to us. The situation has changed, and now Jesus is looking upon the people of Trinity Cathedral. How do we go deeper? Do we offer to society all that our society, our neighbors, deserve? Do we offer to God our whole selves in body, mind, and spirit? Or our whole lives, our time, our talent, our treasure? Do we answer? Do we answer our vocations, our call that we hear, our, our mission, our purpose? Do we answer our vocation and live into the call that Jesus puts upon you when we were baptized? You are my son. You are my daughter. In you, I am well pleased. Do we live like this is true? Is God calling us? Is God calling us beloved? Is this true? Do we believe that life from God is a gift? Are we willing to believe this and then to live our lives through our belovedness, through the fact that God loves us so much, this is something we cannot let go. This is something we cannot ignore. 
I'm really proud. We, we kicked something off like this on Friday. I am so proud of those who came together on Friday night to help support hurricane disaster relief. There was a group of people from the church because we realized that our actions connected us to people far away, but we were also given the gift of being connected to one another, united in mission. And we realized that what we did was an action that des- derived derived directly from the love of God and our love of one another. And by this, we lived into Jesus' proclamation of the kingdom of God. We were helping reconcile and unite ourselves and the entire world to one another through Christ. It was awesome. But what we did was only the beginning. It was just a start. There is so much more to do. Our world needs love. Lots of it. Our world needs people to proclaim. Our world needs you to proclaim boldly the peace of Christ upon others. My brothers and sisters, Trinity Cathedral needs you. We need your hearts to look upon Jesus and to cultivate God's love and share Share, share, share. We've got to talk about this stuff. Trinity needs you to examine who you are. To uncover those places you're hiding your inner self from God. In the way that the Isaiah reading today said something about God uncovering the riches within you. God in Isaiah who is giving you a surname. If you think about that, God is giving you a family to belong to. We need you to examine who you are and to uncover those places that you're hiding your gifts, that you're hiding your inner self from God. This church needs you in body, mind, and spirit, and we need your time, your talent, and your treasure. Things that are given not out of scarcity, but out of abundance, out of recognizing that your life and living and life itself is a gift. We are living into the kingdom of God. This is the most important work of our lives, the absolute most important, and we can't stop until the reconciliation of Jesus Christ, of all the world to himself, is complete, and that everyone is gathered in the fullest and most comprehensive way possible. This is a lifelong task And we need you. Your money or your life. The kingdom of God needs both. But this is about the whole person. About the whole kingdom. The family of God. This is about everybody. As Paul told the Thessalonians today in his introduction, you became imitators of us and the Lord. For in spite of persecution... You received the word with joy, inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Macedonia and Achaia? M-A. How about Maricopa County and Arizona? That's a good start. 
God's Spirit guides us through this and calls us into new places of truth. Places sometimes we might not be expecting to go, but God calls us into those places. Your money or your life? Life is a gift. The time to fully dedicate ourselves to God is right here and right now. How will you?